and the escape is from, as I said, the trajectory. It's it's from the course of Adam, which is death. You know, mm-hmm. it's away from, in, in the end of the story, it's away from eternal separation from mm-hmm. God forever. And we start that eternal separation through consequences constant separations you know minute by minute separations that lead to an eternity of separation so i think often of the words of my pastor of my priest that kenny you can't be a faithful catholic Mm -hmm. and you can't follow jesus into the heavenly kingdom if you're not going to follow him here in the world and embrace your cross Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing to you another discussion about this, our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for being here. I'm joined again by my good friend, Kenny Burchard. Hey, Kenny, it's great to, it's we all have to carry crosses. But man, it's great to carry them together as brothers. Thanks for being here again, man. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. It is. It is. Uh, great to be with you again, too. I'm really enjoying our, our discussion about the cross, and I sure appreciate uh, that we get to do this together. Absolutely. Me too. Me, me too. And it's been really good. I, I, I didn't, we didn't necessarily have it all the way planned out at the start, but I love how the, the progression it's taking, you know, starting yeah. out by talking about the, the cruciform. Uh, nature of discipleship in general, that, that really gets us to the heart of what it means to be a disciple. But then working through these layers of the relationships yep. in our lives, the, the different crosses, has been really, really edifying and helpful to me, and I, I'm sure for people listening as well. So I'm excited to continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. I think some of this you know, initially comes from, um, I, I talk about having pastor muscles because I did that for <laughs> you know 20 years, and I yeah. think about... <clears throat> um, what people would want to talk to me about, you know, when I was pastoring and they would make an appointment to come in and sit and talk with me. And um, because we are in a shared human experience, we all, in one way or another, um, the, our, those experiences overlap. And so we right. are, there's a cross for all these areas of our lives that we share in common. Many of us, uh, well, we, we are all called to radical obedience, really, which was the first thing. Uh, many of us are are married, so we talk about that first, and then we talked about um, raising a family and children, and then we've widened the scope to encompass lots of relationships. But today, we're going to go into another shared experience that we all have as people, and that's the area of temptation, the cross and how we as disciples have to engage with the reality of temptation. Yeah, Looking this is an interesting to one too. Yeah, me too. We, we we talked a little bit last week in preparation for this on uh, how you know, last year Father Peter and I did a study on the virtues, and and two virtues in particular, courage and temperance, are dealing with our fallen state. Right. Mm-hmm. We talked last week in the in the family episode. We were comparing the two families, our original first parents through whom the world fell, you know, and we receive this wound of original sin uh, that even even having been redeemed, we still experience the effects of. We have this concupiscence, we have this this divided heart, which we'll talk more about today. 
Um, but that's kind of what we're getting into here. And we, we touched on it earlier, like in the, in the kid, the family episode and in the spouses episode that oftentimes with other people, we're dealing, part of the cross is that we're dealing with other people's brokenness, right? Like they're, right. that's part of what we're bearing is we're receiving some of the brunt of that. They're speaking out of their wounds or they're acting out or they're, they're wrestling with their own crosses. But today we, we turn inward to recognize that even if everybody else is getting, is, is behaving, like we ourselves remain concupiscent. We have these hearts Absolutely. that have been wounded and make us prone to temptation. It's true. And so we have to deal with the inner life, you know, the, the things yeah. that uh, have been shaped in us and that are broken in us and that come out in different ways, depending on who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought it would be good to, if, if we, if you will, turn inward and start talking about a cross uh, for our temptations and the cruciform way of dealing with temptation. And, and I think, you know, if, if you start talking to people about the cross, um, this one seems more intuitive based on what you see in Scripture, that there's some uh, talking that the cross does to the theme of temptation. And so it won't be hard to find biblical material on this. Uh, probably a good place to start is to see the biblical story, first of all. And to see it as the story of two atoms, if you will, A-D-A-M, not not atoms, but atoms, two atoms. And the first atom who goes in a specific direction, and we've talked a little bit about this, you know, before, but the first atom is receiving a vocation from God, receiving a calling from God. He has a, a, a place in, in God's economy. He's supposed to image God. He's supposed to live on God's terms. And into his world come these other things that he responds to in all the wrong ways. Uh, those things end in his death. And um, then you have the second Adam who comes to reverse all that and how he does that is through the cross. And so the Bible is a story of two atoms. And in terms of overcoming um, our temptation and sin, which you know will drag us down to death and keep us separated from God forever if we don't find a way past it and through it and to overcome it, we have to follow the Adam who found his way out of that, who, who, or who brought us out of that through his own action uh, on the cross. And um, so maybe a couple of scriptures I could start with right out of the gate here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and it says, No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to all of humanity. And then at the end of that section, it says, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what we're saying now in our discussion is the way out is what? It's the cross. God will provide a way out. The way out is the cross. The way out of the temptation is the cross. So to find out how. How is the cross the way out of that common temptation? And then another uh, correlating verse is Hebrews 4.15, which says, We have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses, he was tempted in all the ways that we are, yet he did not sin. So two big ideas there. Temptation is common to all, and there's a way of escape provided by God, 
and Jesus himself, our great high priest, was uh, can empathize with our weakness because he was tempted in all of those common ways that we are, yet he did not sin. Why not? Why not? And a, a, a phrase I, I might use more than once in our discussion today is because, remember, it's a story of two Adams. So the first Adam decides to go a second way. The second Adam, if I can say it this way, refuses to be Adam. He refuses to be the first Adam. He, uh, maybe another way of saying it is his, his motto, if we can ascribe one to him, is death before disobedience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> death before disobedience. Well, that's exactly what happens uh, to Jesus. In his obedience to God, he suffers death, and uh, that is the way that he overcomes what Adam does. It's, it is it is radical obedience to God. And that's why I said in the very first episode that discipleship and the cross really is um, a picture of radical obedience. So, yeah. so there's just kind of a little framework there right out of the gate. You know, it's, it's always interesting to think about the words we're using here. So when we talk about temptation, we know what we commonly mean, right? But what do we... We dig into that a little bit. What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. We, we mean temptation. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, the church has talked about kind of three sources of temptation uh, as the result of our fallen state and the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the flesh and the world, well, in terms of the flesh, first and foremost, because we ourselves are fallen, like even though we've been we've been saved or being saved by, by Christ through his grace, we still have those effects. We still have hearts that are divided. Um, but so mm-hmm. too we have an enemy, you know, and we have a world that is under, in some in some way, shapes and forms, or many ways, shapes and forms, is under the dominion of the enemy in different ways. And so we don't. Right. Uh, people are never our enemy, but we do have a diabolical enemy, and we do have a world that is is structured and set up in in such a way that it is uh, a distraction at best, and oftentimes mm-hmm. a direct temptation away from God at worst. But then even aside from those, like in ourselves, in our, in our flesh, and again, it's using flesh in the scriptural term, term here. It's not flesh versus the spirit. It's, it's kind of our, our fallen selves versus those parts that we've fully given over to Christ. That we ourselves uh, remain with this bit of brokenness. Um, and so the temptation mm-hmm. are the ways we experience this, this push or pull away from the cross. I mean, that's, that's the simplest mm-hmm. way to put it. Something other mm-hmm. than picking up that cross. Yes. So when we're going to, if we're going to get free from concupiscence, free from bondage to sin, free from the curse of Adam, which is, you know, it goes like this with Adam, uh, disobedience, right? Then death and then burial. That's the story of Adam. Disobedience, death, burial. So we need a different story than that. So somebody has to un-Adam Adam. Someone has to refuse to be Adam in the world and has to go, you know, face each of those first three things so that whatever can happen after that can happen. So disobedience has to be replaced with obedience. Death will come. Burial will come. But what's after that? Well, we find out in the gospel that there's obedience in the life of Jesus, and then he suffers death, but as an obedient human being, and is buried, but then 
is raised from the dead, vindicated by God, and brought back to life. In a sense, God reverses the death sentence, uh, the death curse that's on Jesus, and he raises humanity back up mm-hmm. to new life. Why? Because he's refusing to be Adam. He doesn't stay where Adam stays, and so he doesn't end up where Adam ends up, which is just in the grave. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Right? Mm. Everyone else's story is disobeyed, died, and was buried. The yeah. gospel is obeyed, died, was buried, rose again. And we, But we have to see how that happens in the life of Jesus. So it's not just... Um, you know, a philosophical um, idea detached from visible realities that happen in the world. And the Bible gives us occasions in the Gospels to look at how Jesus faced temptation. And in a sense, we can look at those and pick up our cross and follow Jesus in the same way. Um, The nice thing about it is in both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, those are in chapter 4. So uh, Matthew and Luke, Luke 4 both have the temptation narratives where yeah. Jesus faces the three temptations. Maybe we could, we could look at those together mm-hmm. and see how he is responding and how the cross informs those. And I like the, the as you say, the church teaches the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, those are kind of, that's sort of the battleground. And you can see those emerge in yeah, the text. In the, in the um, I'm, I'm yeah. looking... Yeah, I'm looking at Matthew, and the reason I, I'm looking at Matthew is because at the end there's a, a Genesis um, reflection in there that mm. it's fun to see. But it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I think that's important in this discussion because why? The mission of Jesus is to un-Adam Adam, to refuse to be Adam and to undo what Adam does. So the Holy Spirit is behind the mission of Jesus. In other words, we've had the first Adam fail in this regard. At first, the Holy Spirit takes Jesus to the battleground to face off with the ancient enemy of humanity. We're going to beat him this time. So to be what? To be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and nights, and afterward he was hungry. This is a Genesis echo here. The first temptation is, look, here's some food it's pleasing to the eyes eat it taste it and your eyes will be open and you'll be like god so again we're we're in a sense we're stepping backwards out of the footprints of adam we're undoing what he's doing and the tempter came and said to him if you're the son of god command these stones to become loaves of bread but he answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god So the first temptation is overcome by refusing, again, to be Adam and to respond to a carnal appetite um, and to respond to being the Son of God in some other way than in the way that God had prescribed for Jesus to be the Son of God. No, I'm not going to be the Son of God on my own terms. I'm going to be the Son of God on God's terms. I will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Just a final thought before you chime in, and that and that is that temptation really is our desire to be autonomous, to to be in the world, to be alive, to be um, 
doing what we're doing on our own terms. The catechism says it's the desire to be like God without God. And, and that is what the tempter begins to do with Jesus. Be who you are without reference to what God says. And that's a huge temptation for all people, I think. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good, Kenny. I'm not sure if I have anything to add exactly right there. well that's good that's good well and and you know so if i look at my own life i in those moments of temptation i'm being offered an opportunity to achieve a goal or to Mm -hmm. get to some desired end in a way that's illegitimate in Mm -hmm. a way that doesn't correspond to what god wants for me Mm -hmm. and it's a good thing right bread my goodness i'm hungry you know Mm -hmm. um it's a real human need that I have, but uh, the temptation is to satisfy some legitimate need in an right. illegitimate way. And Jesus says, no. And it's the yeah. first no. It's right. the first way out. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, the, the, some of the threads here, right, connecting the two occasions, the Genesis temptation and, and the temptation of Christ here. Um, one of the threads being the the offering of a lie and then how we mm-hmm. respond to that because it's interesting mm-hmm. we think of of lies we think of something as some merely intellectual like like do we have enough data is this true or not but lies uh truth and lies are more subtle than that in that they we we have a choice whether to accept right the lie uh, that a temptation yeah. brings and every temptation i'd say contains a lie and broadly mm-hmm. speaking especially if we want to connect this back to some virtue terms here um, temptations yes. come in the form of either fear or desire broadly speaking right and the lie that's implicit always is that right here right now um, I don't have what I need to be happy to be at peace to be one with God like I need to do something I need to go get something or I need to escape and, you know, we can kind of see those both in the original temptation as well as in the temptation of Christ here, that there's a there's a lie, um, and, and Christ challenges those lies in the ways that he responds to the devil. But, it's, again, it's just interesting to, to connect here that, um, that the lie, from the beginning, the lie was that you're not, you need to do something to be okay. Like, you're not already, mm-hmm. you don't already have everything mm-hmm. you need. You don't. You can't really trust God. You're not really going to be okay. He's not really. When in reality, they had everything they needed. They were connected mm-hmm. to God. They were at perfectly at peace. They were perfectly happy. And so, part of temptation always is challenging the implicit lie that comes along with mm-hmm. that. And so, in that sense, you could say Jesus is on his way to the cross. You know, through this, mm-hmm. uh, that these are are gateways to the cross. He's on a journey to the cross. And he has to go all the way there, and it starts at the beginning here with this with this temptation. So already now, Jesus is saying yes to the cross and no to Satan. He's saying yes to God, no to the lie, and he's doing it in a small way, you know. Well, in a in a big way, you know, but but in um, in a series of steps, he's taking mm-hmm. one right here. He's saying no, I'm not going to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Only God is going to be my source. And then the second temptation, it says that uh, the enemy took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. He will give his angels charge over you. 
On their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so there is um, another lie, you know, fulfill a promise of God by doing something dangerous, something illegitimate, putting yourself into a position. God didn't say, throw yourself down. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. say, take a self-destructive action and then God and God will uh, get you out of it. And, and, um, and a lot of times temptation happens when we go outside the boundaries of what we know God has put around something. And we mm-hmm. say, well, it, you know, God will still love me or he'll still take care of me or he'll still you know, keep his promise to me. This isn't going to wreck my life. And Jesus says, no, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't cross a boundary under the pretense of some promise and then expect God to bail you out of it. And so again, Jesus says no a second time. Um, and so, so far, two for two. Jesus is, is winning <laughs> on the field of battle against real temp- real temptations. And I think about my own life, you know, some of the things that I've done um, that have gotten me in trouble have really been along the lines of stepping across into an area that I already knew I, I shouldn't. But in my mm-hmm. mind, I thought, well, God loves me. God will forgive me. Um, God will get me out of this. Not realizing that by doing that, I'm actually shaping myself to lean away from God as a as a normal, you know, a normal way of life. Mm-hmm. I'm tempting God. And um so I, I you know I I resonate with how this specific temptation is a mm-hmm. temptation. I would posit it it, se- it seems to me that part of the temptations here are uh, preying on a, perhaps a fear that our Lord would have experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's he's working his miracles. He's sharing the good news that, that he's bringing to us. But people aren't going to believe, right? They're not going to be saved. Uh, and he mm-hmm. wants them to be, right? That's why he's here. That's something that we often experience. We, in, in the moment, I mean, this is why we yell at our kids, for instance. Or this is sometimes the way reason that we, we fudge the truth or we, we, so many of the sins we commit are out of fear. Like if I don't, as you said, stray out of what God is, this is the way. Yeah, but if I strayed out mm-hmm. just a little bit, I could be sure that this gets mm-hmm. done. I could be sure mm-hmm. that they listen. I could be sure mm-hmm. that the outcome that I believe is best can, can, will come out. You know, if I'm a politician, right? If I if I just compromise a little bit, I can be successful. And then look at all the good that I can do, right? There, the right. devil preys on a fear that if I don't take things into my own hands, if I don't kind of force God's hand here, right? Uh, maybe the good that I want to see done won't get done. But it's, it's again, it's, it's preying on our fear to take things in our own hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I taught on this one time back when I was a preacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, the way that I illustrated it um, yeah. publicly uh, was I took a, bu- uh, a mirror. I went and bought a mirror and um, said, you know, I'm supposed to reflect God's identity in the world. What Adam does and what Satan is is challenging Jesus to do here is turn that away and take that you know that image that precious um, life into his own hands and what Adam does is he drops it and in the homily or the sermon I dropped 
the mirror on the floor in front of me and it shattered into a thousand pieces. So what happened was I said, if we, if you take your life into your own hands, if you, if you wrench your life out of God hand, God's hands and you, you've mm-hmm. taken your life into your own hands, which it doesn't belong in your hands. It belongs in God's hands. You steal it from God and you drop it and you break it. This is what the enemy is, is essentially telling Jesus to do. Take your life into your own hands. And even if you drop it, God will catch you. And I dropped it and I said, this is what the first Adam does at the tree. He takes his own life into his own hands. He ventures out to try to be God without God, be like God without God. And he drops himself and he shatters himself into a thousand pieces and he can't pick himself up and he can't put himself back together again. So we have to have another man who is whole, who doesn't, isn't broken to give humanity in its whole good, um, beautiful and pristine condition back to God again. And this is what Mm -hmm. Jesus is doing uh, in this temptation and on the cross. He's offering God back a living sacrifice of a good man who never takes his life in his hands, never drops himself and never shatters himself into a million pieces. And um, and he's giving the whole humanity in himself back to God. So this is a moment, you know, and we, and we have these moments in our temptations where behind it all, the voice of the enemy is really, well, just do it yourself, you know, and God will take care of you. Um, and don't, don't worry. Danger, 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 danger. <laughs> yeah. The, the third temptation is interesting. The devil again took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall not you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now it's so interesting because, you know, back to the garden, God in the garden had already given all the kingdoms of the world to Adam. He was going to expand the reign of God through his obedience and through his children, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. That's like God saying the same thing. I'll give you the whole world, but you have to do it my way. Well, here the enemy is saying, well, let's get the world a different way. Hmm. And, you know, the psalmist said, ask of me and I will give you the nation's as your inheritance. In other words, God God wants us to have the very same thing. He wants us to have everything that God wants us to have. Mm -hmm. Or God wants us to have everything that um, Satan thinks he can offer us. But it has to be on his terms. It has to be on God's terms. So the temptation is, let's get what God says we can have our own way. And And God says, Ask me in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Ask me, and I'll give you the nations. Right. So it's where where am I getting what I'm getting? Am I getting it out of the hands of the enemy, or am I going to get it out of try and get it out of the you know receive it uh, rightfully and justly from the hands of God? And Jesus says the right thing. He says you only worship God, and only Him will you serve. And that gets to the core of what happens in temptation when we succumb to it 
it is a bowing down before a false god and worshiping that other god and committing idolatry and worship and and wrenching ourselves away from fidelity and loyalty and faithfulness to god jesus refuses to be adam three times so adam says yes once and drags the human race into hell you know into uh, disobedience death and burial Mm -hmm. jesus goes back out into the wilderness to face the same enemy and says no once two times three times goes all the way to the cross and by doing that brings humanity up out of hell so that the experience of humanity in the second Adam can be obedience, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, glorification, deification, whatever words you want to use, but brings humanity back up to its highest um, and most beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And that has to be done. Uh, it is done through the cross. And it's only through following Jesus. And the New Testament says that if we die with him, we will be raised with him. That's language for following him on the cruciform journey in everyday things like Mm. temptation and how we deal with it. So therefore, the way out of temptation Mm -hmm. is, again, radical obedience. It's the crucifixion of my desires. It's saying no to the voice of the enemy. I think a practical thing, um, and we do it as Catholics, we have Lent, you know, 40 days of, uh, it's the journey to the cross. Well, what are we doing the whole time we're in Lent? One of the things we're doing is we're saying no to something, Mm -hmm. sometimes good things, because we as Christians have to learn how to say yes to God all the time, even if yes to this thing over here might might be good and you know in some way um, bless me or in some way satisfy me i have Mm -hmm. to learn as a lifestyle as a follower of jesus i have to learn how to say no and so i do that as a discipline yeah again this is it's interesting how this has all fallen out um again i want to contrast it and connect a little bit with what we talked about last year with the cardinal virtues um, mm-hmm. If we think about the four cardinal virtues, uh, the way I like to, to image them is prudence is at the top, it proceeds, mm-hmm. it, it attends to justice, and then we have these pillars of courage and temperance that protect, uh, that, that ga- guard us from turning away from the cross. But we could really recast it all in cross language. Our first episode was about the, the reality of the cruciform shape of discipleship, but part of what we pointed out is that because of the nature of the world, the fallen state of the world, the cross is inevitable. Yes, um, the cross is. is inevitable. The question is whether you turn and embrace it intentionally, whether you you stop trying to hide from it and you turn and say, "Yes, okay, I I, I want to be a person of truth. I want to embrace this. I want to go with Christ." And so that that's that's this first turning to reality to try to make good choices. That's that's this virtue of prudence. Well, then number two, what does prudence attend to? It attends to the reality of the relationships that I, I live in. And that's the virtue of justice. And so we talked about, you know, mm-hmm. okay, well, I have a relationship to God and then to my spouse and then to my children and then to my extended family. I All those present crosses to me, responsibilities, burdens. And, and in this turning, I make a choice to, to voluntarily uh, shoulder these burdens and, and, and do my duty. And we talked a lot, again, in the last episode that 
that even in the holy family, right, there was this accepting the burden of what what doing my duty as a mother and father and child would mean. It'll mean crosses, sacrifices, difficulties. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the reality that even even when we when we have the best intentions here, we want to do justice, we want to do the duty that God has given to us, that what we find, we have this dilemma, and this is why we 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 discover in the in our walk with Christ sometimes even more so later on that despite all of our good intentions, despite all of our desire to be holy and to be good and to obey Christ, we still find in within ourselves a broken, divided heart. You know, we find that there's, well, there's a part of me that wants to follow Christ, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to do that. And I can't fix mm-hmm. that on my own. Like I have to be healed. Mm-hmm. I have to, like, like the many people in the gospel, I have to go to Christ and ask for healing. And so when I, when we experience those temptations, right, they come as fear, they come as desire, but there, there's some, there's some lie that, that, that to continue to follow Christ and simply bear this burden, I have to, I have to escape or I have to go to something else to be fulfilled, to be complete. Um, and we have to challenge those lies as Christ did. We have to continue walking with the cross. And, and so, um, you know, again, the fears and the desires, courage and temperance, you know, are these virtues that, that are, are built, that are practiced when we're, we're experiencing these effects, the effects of our fall, you know, the different temptations to turn aside from the cross that Christ has called us to. Yeah. And there's a trajectory in the, I, let's say, in following one version of humanity versus another. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a destination that comes with the decision to follow uh, mm-hmm. Adam or Jesus. And that's when that's why in the Gospels, so frequently the words of Jesus when he is uh, bringing a new disciple into the into his mission, he would say, "Follow me, follow right. me, follow me." Why? Well, or as opposed to what? Well, as opposed to Adam, <laughs> you know, on the, in yeah. terms of the big story of Scripture. So, you know, a little self inventory here. When I'm either stuck in a sin that has come from succumbing to t- temptation, or I have an opportunity to jump into that sin. What I'm really faced with then is this big question of which version of the human race am I going to grab onto and follow at this moment? Am I going to grab onto Adam and follow him? Um, and, and where does that go? Where does that go? Well, we see it. Disobedience, death, grave. And, you know, in terms of our bigger Catholic, Jesus-informed soteriology or salvation theology, it leads eternally away from God, eternally Mm -hmm. away from God, and to where we would be lost forever if we stayed attached to that. And so Jesus gives me uh, the way of salvation, which is follow him, pick up my cross, say no, 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 (laughs) you know, to the enemy uh, when he tempts me, cling to the cross and radically obey and follow Jesus into, so there's obedience there, into possibly um, death and the, and the grave uh, and, and uh, you know, obedience to God um, yeah. no matter what. And sometimes that has, as we have martyrs, you know, in our faith yeah. that has led to them suffering to the point of death. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that then is resurrection and right being brought up into the kingdom of God. 
on a real personal level, you know, before I became Catholic, when I was in, in RCIA, they were getting us ready for our first confession. And I said, well, what do I confess? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? And the director of RCIA said, well, everything that you've done from the time you've been baptized. <laughs> like, well, that's uh, <laughs> 33, that's 33 years, 33 years of life from the time I was baptized, the time I had my first confession. He said, well, not minute sins, but just, you know, the big pieces along the way. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so before I went to my first confession, I asked my pastor or priest, I said, Father, could I meet with you before I go to my first confession and have like a pre-confession confession? He said, well, I can't absolve you, but I'd be happy to listen. You know, I said, okay. So I got to his office and I sat down with him. I said, I, I want to walk through the last 33 years of my life with you in big pieces so that I can condense it down when I'm ready for my first confession. So I spent about an hour doing that and shared some big things with him, like really big things that had happened to me that I had done, you know, things I'd gotten trapped in uh, along the way from the time of baptism till I came to the church. We had a great discussion. And he said, bring all that with you into the confessional. But then he looked at me really seriously and he said, it has to change that what the story you just told me mm -hmm. those things have to change because and these these are these are words that echo in my ears and i say them right here because this is about following jesus instead of adam my pastor my priest said kenny if you hold on to those things you cannot be a faithful catholic hmm. and you cannot follow jesus in this world or into the next you have to decide if you're going to cling to those things that you've clung to, or if you're going to let go of them and cling to the cross. I mean, shocking, 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 uh, wake up kind of <laughs> a wake up call. But I just love that. You cannot be a faithful Christian and cling mm. to those things. At the same time, you have to cling to the cross. <laughs> wow, that's, that's powerful. And it's, it's scary. Um, but I think we need to go back to that verse that you started us out with, right? That God, uh, mm -hmm. maybe you can quote it, I don't have to paraphrase it here again, that we, we're not tempted in such a way that we don't have the grace from God to exactly. challenge God will always provide a way so that you can endure it. The way mm -hmm. of escape is there. Jesus is the way of mm -hmm. escape. And the, and the escape is from, as I said, the trajectory. It's It's from the course of Adam, which is death, you know, mm -hmm. it's away from, in, in the end of the story, it's away from eternal separation from mm -hmm. God forever. And we start that eternal separation through constant separations, you know, minute by minute separations that lead to an eternity of separation. So right. I think often of the words of my pastor, of my priest, that Kenny, you can't be a faithful Catholic. Mm -hmm. And you can't follow Jesus into the heavenly kingdom if you're not going to follow him here in the world and embrace your cross. Yeah. And and I think that that's good. And Jesus is with me in it. You know, If I were talking to people now about how to deal with this as a faithful Catholic, I would say the sacraments are the way <laughs> through. Mm -hmm. The sacraments are the way to stay 
on track with Jesus. They they are in a sense the way of the cross. Uh, there and there are a way of staying connected to the cross, um, especially the sacrament of of um, confession and uh, reconciliation, where we go and say, "I've been like Adam. I haven't been like Jesus," and we swear off our allegiance to the man who <laughs> died and went into the grave, and we reaffirm our allegiance to the man who died, was buried, and and rose again, and we receive. Yeah. Uh, his love and forgiveness. And we walk out and we embrace the cross. Last time I went to confession, I was thinking about this. Last time I went to confession, I left the confessional and then went and meditated around the stations of the cross mm. in the um, in the church where we were confessing. It's just, and it was as a result of these conversations that we're having. It's like, that's something that we can do as Catholics, reconnect to the cross. Yeah. And, uh, and that'll help us. And it'll help us in those moments of temptation as well. Sometimes we need to get out of wherever we are and go somewhere that's going to put us in touch with the cross. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's two broad categories of effects of the sacraments. Um, one is mm -hmm. to heal what has been wounded. We, we bring mm -hmm. our wounds, we bring our sins uh, we, can, we can receive healing and forgiveness um, and nourishment, mm -hmm. spiritual nourishment. But the other side of that too is that then, well, how do we? How are we prepared for next time? Well, we need, mm -hmm. in some sense, you know, a simple way we could put it is we need to fall more in love with God, right? Because yes. we 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 have an intellect and a will, and we can get on paper that okay, this this sin doesn't make sense. Giving into temptation doesn't make sense, but I still do it. I still do the things that I don't want to do. We have that uh, from Saint Paul. Well, how yes. do we deal with that? Well, we have to be healed. We have to see healing, but we, but in that healing, in that experience of God in prayer and the sacraments, we also we we are the recipient of grace. We're the recipient of the theological virtues, which are the virtues of this relationship with God. And we need a stronger relationship. Mm -hmm. We need to know God more. Um, another thing that I, I wanted to point out there on a, on a practical note, you talked about you know Christ gives us the the progression of uh, carrying the cross, death burial and then resurrection okay so it's interesting to to look at the two the two atoms and and the temptation mm -hmm. the temptation always presents us with this well right right now to get to be happy to be fulfilled you need you need to do something you need exactly. to escape right now um but the reality is right if we give if we get that relief right now right then death comes later and and bigger death comes exactly later. that insight that you just shared triggers this catholic um uh phrase that we use a latin phrase that catholics use memento mori right, uh, right, right. remember you will die <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. remember you will die and yeah. and so oh, okay and then what well i don't want to be separated from god forever you know when i die so keeping the the reality of death as a way of helping me um, I'm going to face death just like Adam did, just like Jesus right. did. But which one am I going to face it with? Am I going to face mm -hmm. death with Adam? Well, if I do, that's a closed grave. If I face right. death with Jesus, there's a resurrection in there. There is a yeah. grave, but there's a resurrection in there. So I have to, in my moments of temptation, remember, you will die. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you pick up the cross in temptation rather than giving into it, mm -hmm. you know, so either, you know, whether the temptation is a fear, you know, I, I need to get out of mm -hmm. this moment. I need to, to do this, 
you know, I take take life into my own hands. I need to lie. I need to compromise. You know, so whether it's out of mm-hmm. fear or out of desire, you know, I need this thing, this food, this person. Whether regardless of the kind of temptation, to pick up the cross in that temptation and to not give into it, there's a little a small death that occurs there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's to experience mm-hmm. the discomfort of of not eating the bread, you know, or not mm-hmm. um, not escaping the fear, but simply to bear it, to experience the small mm-hmm. death. And again, that's what we have this interesting reversal here. Like you're going to get, you're going to give into the lie now, um, mm-hmm. and have death later, you know, or you're going to yeah. voluntarily pick up the cross and embrace a small death now that leads to resurrection. And that's that's the cycle of the Christian life, that by voluntarily sure picking is. up our burdens, voluntarily accepting um, the pinch when we face a fear, the pinch when we say no to a desire that's going to lead us out of out of God's will, we experience a little mm-hmm. death, you know, a little a little chip away of our of our um, our enslavement to death. But it's that's what brings life. When we every time we challenge a fear, the challenge the lie implicit in a fear, well, we also mm-hmm. grow as people. We grow as disciples. We grow as courageous disciples for whom uh, the fears uh, don't work on you know as much. We're able to bear under that fear. We're able to to bear bigger crosses. But it's it's yeah. accepting and bearing up the little death in the here and now. Uh, that's involved in temptation. It's true. It's um, not not to be cutesy, but it's cross training, <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's what we need, CrossFit. really, because we. Yeah. It's CrossFit. Yeah, exactly, and and that's what we need because we are trained and soaked and steeped and twisted by um, everything but the cross, and it's hard to unwind yourself and untangle yourself from all that. The way out is the cross. Um, uh, Paul says it in First Corinthians. He's got given us a way of escape. The way of escape is the cross, and that is um, that's going to cost us. Uh, maybe I could finish with a, a final text, and then if there's anything else you want to talk about, John Mark, we can. But this is maybe a word of encouragement from another, yet another New Testament um, writer, Peter, um, who says in chapter five of his first letter. Um, this, now this is this is cross training, okay? Cross fit for uh, people who want to follow Jesus out of temptation and with the cross as their way of escape. He says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks around seeking whom he may devour, whom resist or resist him steadfastly in the faith." knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, there's that common temptation. Everybody's going through what you're going through. So you hang in there and you resist and you stand against the, the temptation. And then verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you and settle you so in a sense he's saying the thing we've been saying all along there's two versions of humanity one is listening to the lie is being dragged down to death and hell by his enemy the other is resisting that and is doing it he says by christ jesus so there's the cruciform language and that 
will take you through suffering, but that suffering will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. So Peter offers us the two ways, the cruciform way or the way of Adam that leads to death. And he begins with, like in all of us when we're facing temptation or a long-standing, let's call a, a habitual sin, addiction, whatever it is, the first words there, be sober. In other words, get to a point of sobriety, of abs- abstaining from this thing and clear-headed thinking, then become vigilant, pay attention to what you're doing in your life, and recognize you have an enemy, an adversary, who would love nothing more than to drag you away from, from God. So a really almost like a, a shocking text of Scripture to help us reconnect with Jesus, but really powerful, really helpful. Yeah. Well, I love that that uh, as, a, as a closing verse, that that also directs us to um, the importance of community in, in mm-hmm. resisting temptation and growing in virtue. We, yes. we need the example and encouragement of others. Yes. Um, yes. We, need to, we need to look to older brothers and sisters in the faith uh, to see, well, what happened to them when they resisted temptation? Like, what did they did they die? Exactly. Did, the, did the lie come true that oh, your you know your life will be over if you don't give in this temptation? No, when they challenged it, what right. was produced? Well, the fruits of the spirit were what was produced. You know, they matured exactly. in the faith. They became stronger. They became braver. Uh, they were more able to receive the grace wanted to give them. So we need that example in our elder brothers and sisters of the faith. Um, it's sure particularly do. relevant for the Coming Home Network here because we're all about stories. We're all about, hey, when we're going through a uh, time of temptation or if we're being called to a journey and the temptation is perhaps to to turn aside from that or to, to not deal with what that will bring to us, well, we look to our other our, our brothers and sisters in the faith and say, well, what did the Lord do in their life when they were obedient, when they went deeper, when they resisted temptation? Uh, stories are important. Community is important. So be sure that you seek it out because it's important to the Christian life. It's good. Now we got to go out and follow Jesus and not follow Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's it. And you know, two two words of advice. You know, follow Jesus. Don't follow the other guy. <laughs> right. Follow Jesus. So. Cool. Well, thank you, thank you, brother, for that uh, for that discussion, and thank you for joining us for this discussion on Deep in Christ. We hope that some of it was edifying to you, thought provoking. Uh, let us know. We'd love to know what you think. You know, what are the what are the crosses uh, that you're bearing under? What are the ways that you've that you've found to uh, fight those temptations? What are the stories that have inspired you to keep going? We want to hear that. Uh, as always, I remind you that this is a production of the Coming Home Network International. We are a network of people who have uh, the journey that we were called onto was one to embrace the Catholic Church as the church that Christ founded. Uh, and that led us through a lot of crosses, a lot of difficulties, but but here we are. And we'd love to share that with you. If that's your story, if you're on that journey, or if you just have questions, hey, we're here for you. So check us out at chnetwork.org. Uh, once again, this has been Deep in Christ. We'll talk to you again next week. God bless. God bless.